what's heaven? It's a peaceful place in the sky. Are you going to heaven? No. You gotta be a good person to go to heaven. So, we're the same. We can't go to heaven because you're not good. And I'm not a person. They're coming to get me. I'm like a bodyguard. I'm getting you out of this. Episode number 54 of Comic Book Movie Guy, the podcast. Hello, hello, hello. How is it going? I'm good. I just saw the creator. Now, if you guys don't know about the creator, it's a little sci-fi that came out over the weekend. Greg Fraser was involved. Now, he did the cinematography on the Batman. And he's very talented. He's a really talented guy. They really, really pushed the narrative that, you know, it's, the, it's from the director of Rogue One, you know. Same guy who directed Rogue One. And same guy that was involved with Rogue One, Greg Fraser, also did the cinematography for that one. And I liked it. I thought it was great, you know. Uh, what's his name? John David Washington. He did a fantastic job. Uh... The movie itself is, it's interesting because I feel as though visually it's a really good cinematic experience. And then you pair that with the score from Hans Zimmer. It was a Hans Zimmer score. I've been listening to it this week. Um, I saw the movie on Friday and then obviously this is this week now, Tuesday. And um, 
Yeah, it stuck with me. There's a song there from Radiohead that I, I had to go and actually look up because I, I, I had to know what it was. Um, when they're flying in to enemy territory or artificial intelligence uh, territory, that's kind of who the world war is against uh, in this film. Uh, there's a certain song playing from Radiohead, and it's called Everything in Its Right Place. And, uh, you know, if you don't even go see this movie, throw that song on. And just if you're driving around, it's a really good, uh, interesting song to uh, drive around to if you crank it up a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's futuristic. It hit a little close to home sometimes with the AI. Like, it was a little too close to the chest, if you would, or if you will. Um, I feel as though the creator had a lot of, like, problems with its story um trying to make things make sense there was we i mean my friends and i who went we spent a good half an hour in the parking lot after the movie and basically the whole ride home talking about the plot holes and just how certain things just didn't quite add up or whatever the case was but that's the beauty of a good science fiction movie i mean make it make sense i get it you know like, I want it to make sense. I wanted it to make sense, too. And it made for some good banter, some good ba after the, the, the movie there. We, uh, we, we tore it apart in many, in many aspects. And uh, on the same token, I, I felt the need to defend it at times because I really enjoyed myself. You know, start to finish, uh, I, it, it had me sort of, I don't know, I was, I was gripped into that universe. I was gripped into the story. And I thought that the AI, uh, I thought they looked great. I mean, the main character, uh, the weapon, uh, is, is Alfie is her name. Um, interesting, interesting stuff. She was a great little actress. I don't know how old she is. I'm pulling up the cast and stuff right now, but I just want to say like, this Alfie character and the, this whole idea of AI and what the, like she ends up being, she's like the weapon or whatever that uh, John David Washington has to go in to, to, uh, to save. Um, and Gemma Chan, obviously she was, you know, I enjoyed her performance too. Gemma Chan plays his wife and that's sort of the, the, the portion of the film, if you will, that didn't really line up all that well, the the mother uh, portion of uh, the creator. Um, it was uh, it was a roller coaster from start to finish. You're kind of all over the place with her storyline, the the wife, uh, John David Washington's wife, and John David Washington being the actor that I was trying to remember um, at the beginning. And you know he stars in Tenet as well. Uh, he was. F- he was really good. He was easy to watch and it was good. Uh, it was good talking between him and a lot of good conversations between him and the child and a lot of good conversations with like just him and all of these other people throughout. Uh, he was, yeah, he, he had a charisma to him for sure. Like well casted. Um, you know, I'm just, as I, as I bring up the reviews for the creator, I, I think about, how I felt about the movie and it's basically like I expected it to be sort of this 
Rogue One style, and it was. I expected there to be some really good visuals, and there was. And I expected there to be sort of some wow moments or some, whoa, that's crazy. You know, like something that kind of that throws you off a little bit or that stunts you a little bit while you watch it. And it had those moments, too. It really did. Um, Yeah, there's a scene in particular I'm thinking about. um, And yeah, I was on the edge of my seat, you know, and a lot of things like. If this is if you're if you're the type of person who goes to a movie and wants the movie to sort of connect the dots at the end and have it be this nice beautiful straight line, um, those movies are super satisfying and I love those movies myself and I had a hard time digesting the creator because of how all over the place the plot lines are. At face value, though. Sitting in that seat watching the film, I can't think back to a sci-fi movie or, you know, it's, it's on Google as the act as action thriller, but I would classify it more as a science, like a science fiction, obviously, or a sci-fi, right? Um, I can't think of the last real sort of like future impending doom war on robots film that grabbed me um, and I like felt it was actually worth watching the creator was that and it lived up to my expectations of what I thought and hoped to see um, it, it's great it's a great sci-fi and uh, I, I would highly recommend it and it's and it's sort of like it's led me down this path of this podcast where I like I wanted to talk about just any sort of sci-fis that have caught my attention over the years like when I was watching this I thought very very uh, similar tones at times to uh, Edge of Tomorrow like I know that's an that's an action-packed sort of Tom Cruise movie that's you know sort of out there with the with the aliens and stuff that are involved with that but I think of like a rival you know Academy Award arrival like visually stunning like you anything that's sort of like aliens are coming or there's a futuristic species that is threatening or you know there's multiple reasons why I go to the theater to watch a science fiction movie that sort of brings me out of this world and into one of many people's imaginations like when I think of Arrival, like if you haven't seen Arrival, it's a movie with Amy Adams and uh, Jeremy Renner. And I believe that Arrival for me, that movie's about communication. And in a lot of ways, it shows that like if there's another sort of species out there, how do we communicate with them and how realistic could that look? And I thought Arrival did a really good job of that. And that's sort of one of the science fiction movies that that I think of immediately after I, I leave a movie like The Creator. But now I feel as though The Creator will be that first movie that comes to mind for me. You know, I'm a big fan of Alien versus Predator and sort of the new the new era of the Alien movies. 
such as like Prometheus, things with Michael Fassbender, things like that. I really enjoy those movies. Ridley Scott is obviously one of my favorites. I cannot wait for his take on Napoleon to come out. Uh, starring Joaquin Phoenix. And speaking of Joaquin Phoenix, I saw a nice little picture of him out on Instagram today, on Todd Phillips' Instagram. A little tease of uh, what we could see in Folie de uh, Joker sequel there. And a great, a great look in my opinion. You know, it's sort of got a singing in the rain vibe to it. There's all these uh, colorful um, umbrellas around him, but it's, it's, He's in a dark place, you can see, and the rain's just pouring down on him. It's a, it's a good photo. It, it, it sets the tone for what we could see in, in the Joker sequel, which is one year away from today, which is insane because we haven't seen a thing. Studios are doing this more. I really noticed that. Studios are waiting to release trailers. Um, and I think it's, it's a good thing, you know? Like, some movies have one, two, three, four trailers sometimes before they come out. Other movies, you don't see anything. You see one trailer, and then all of a sudden it's in theaters. This sort of feels like the direction that we may go in the next year, although I believe Warner Brothers is their firm on marketing, and they, they'll always put out at least two trailers. So I, I would love to see Joaquin Phoenix uh, and Lady Gaga do their thing in a trailer here soon and usually usually when Todd Phillips teases something on his Instagram there's there's more to come and uh it's it's very soon to happen so I'm looking forward to seeing that you know Blue Beetle is out on digital right now I mean Blue Beetle is a superhero movie but I just want to talk about that because that is also of the sci-fi realm you know it's this foreign alien that takes over uh Mr. Mr. Blue Beetle, whatever his name is. I'm going to look it up right now. Jamie, Jaime Reyes, sorry. Um, yeah, and I'm not going to attempt to pronounce uh, the actor's name who plays Blue Beetle, but I'm looking forward to seeing him do his thing, and I will be watching it on digital when I get a chance. But back to science fiction, I think of Christopher Nolan. You know, you think of Interstellar. You know, I talked about, I had a space movies episode, and I believe I talked about Interstellar on there, but once again, like, Christopher Nolan is, uh, he's a real treasure to to us as, as moviegoers. He always seems to provide, and Interstellar always does that for me. I don't know why I feel as though um, war often goes really well with sci-fi doesn't it like there's a lot of there's a lot going on there with wars versus um foreign enemy whatever that is whether it's tech from the future or whether it's alien tech or whether it's planet of the apes you know (laughs) think of like like matt reeves trilogy uh that's that in that in itself i'm eventually going to do an episode on the planet of the apes movies um just the trilogy on matt reeves obviously i'll touch on the history of the planet of the apes movies but matt reeves his trilogy for me was what i grew up with what was was what i watched um and was my take that i saw of of the planet of the apes and andy circus you know who voices caesar in planet of the apes he's my main man he's alfred 
in Matt Reeves' Batman universe. So, and speaking of the Batman, which is also coming out two years from yesterday, two years from the 2nd of October, I believe. So that is coming down the pipeline, folks, and it's coming fast, and that's exciting. And I think of two years as fast. Like, if you think of time, I have it tattooed on my arm, for goodness sakes. Time is an illusion, as Albert Einstein said. Um, and with that, I feel like two years is going to fly by. I used to say to myself way back in 2020, you know, when the world, when the world stood still 2019 into 2020, it felt like two years would never come. And then like you blink and it's 2023 and like the world's operating again. And you know, it's just, it's, it's a weird thing. It's a weird time. It's nice to be back. And, you know, I hope that the strike, the WAG strike uh, for the writers doesn't hold up the film industry too far. I know they, I believe they landed a negotiation like recently. So that's exciting. And um, I hope that the writers get paid. I don't understand where the executives even have a leg to stand on on this. I just, I don't really understand what they're com- like where they're coming from. And I don't understand why they don't just give in to the writer's demands as they are the beating heart of the film industry. Like without writers, you're not going to have scripts, which is not going to lead to film. I've, I firmly believe that a director needs a solid script to work with in order to write the film or in order to shoot the film, you know, and there's very rare cases. Like I spoke of, of Joker, uh, with Joaquin Phoenix, Todd Phillips director. Um, and with Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix, they sort of ad-libbed their script as they went, but they had a baseline to go off of. And I think a lot of times a script can be that you just have this sort of baseline that you try and follow. But at the same time, there's room to sort of dive into things. I listened to uh, the podcast with uh, Jason Bateman and uh, who's his partner there? Will Arnett and uh, Sean Hayes, Smartless. And I listened, I was recommended by my friend Austin uh, to listen to their podcast and to sort of go through the list of actors that they've spoken to. And I, I listened, my first one I listened to was the one with Willem Dafoe and man, is that guy interesting? You know, like he is such a cool guy. I guess he like has a house in Rome. Like he lives in Rome, the way he speaks about a role, the way he likes, just the way he carries himself, the way he actually like talks during that interview to those men. It is it's just fascinating. Like I could listen to Willem Dafoe speak about anything for hours. Like he's just, he's almost like a philosopher to me, you know, like what he says goes, it's the way it's delivered and it's the way that it's thought about. Like you can tell he's a very, he's very sure of himself in many ways and he understands himself in many ways. And that's like, I really respect people who do that or who have that sort of skill I'm still learning to try and do that myself and it's very challenging it is very very challenging to sort of know yourself before you know like how you're 
how you're sort of expelling words out of yourself, you know, before, like think before you speak sort of thing. But with Willem Dafoe, it was just fascinating listening to his life and how he approaches roles and how he gets into character. And he was just, he was a cool guy is what I'm trying to get to here. But yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting, man. Like I went and saw this movie, right? I went and saw the creator and when all of your friends that you go with, all three of us, <laughs> we, uh, we went and, uh, it was sort of this mutual agreement that we didn't like the plot holes, but did like some of the things that occurred. Maybe me more than others. But I did really enjoy what I saw and what I experienced. You know, there's one actually that I've been recommended several times that I haven't dipped my toe into yet and that is uh ex machina x is it x machina or i think it's x machina it's gotta be but i see that it's alicia the the candor who i know her because she is either married to or dating michael fassbender and i believe that she was laura croft in the reboot you know, Christopher Nolan, he's got a lot of sci... Like, I'm looking up different sci-fis here, and he's got a lot of, like, psychological thrillers. Like, they even have Interstellar on here as a psychological thriller, and it does mess with your mind a bit, but, like, more so his movie The Prestige with Hugh Jackman and uh, Christian Bale. If you haven't seen that one, Scarlett Johansson's in that, too. And uh, it's sort of deals with the art of magic and it's two rival magicians who try to outdo each other. It's, uh, oh yeah, that one got me good. I enjoyed that one a lot, a lot, a lot. Oh, you know, speaking of bad sci-fis, you ever seen The Happening with Mark Wahlberg? I have. M. Night Shyamalan. He's a hit or miss guy for me, man. He really is. M. Night Shyamalan is one of those people that when I watch his movies, I know it's him every time. Like he really does have a certain, a certain flair to his movies. He has a certain sort of style to it. And I always know that when I see something that he's been involved in, that it could go in a very different direction. And I think I like the suspense of that sometimes when I watch a Shyamalan. The Invisible Man, Don't Worry Darling. These are things that get people thinking. And I dive even deeper into sci-fi. They have a cyberpunk genre, Blade Runner. Oh man. So my story with Blade Runner is I watched Blade Runner 2049 and then my friend Austin was like, oh, have you seen the original? And I was like, no, I haven't seen it. So I went over and we watched the original after I had watched Blade Runner 2049. And I think I liked the original a little bit better. But then I rewatched Blade Runner 2049 like a half an hour later. And like a half an hour after watching the old one. And it was like way better the second time. Way better the second time. And I to this day I say... 
Blade Runner 2049 is the better movie for me. Ready Player One also, like, that's a Spielberg, right? And that's a different style in itself. I really like that one because uh, it had a lot of little cameos, like you see little King Kong cameos, and there's, you know, little, uh, I think you see the Iron Giant at one point and all kinds of uh, of different cameos in that film. The Matrix. My friends and I, we went to... We went to move a friend out of uh, out of his apartment, and afterwards we went out for pizza. And as we were having pizza, it sort of unfolded that one of our group—I can't remember who it is—hadn't seen the Matrix. And of course, I've I stay kind of quiet in the corner because you know I've seen it, but ha- have I re- have I really seen it? Because I feel like the last time I watched The Matrix was on whatever channel that is that we have that just comes, like Matrix used to play on like two channels every other weekend. It was always on like, I want to say it was like the Atlanta channel, like something tree was the channel. And uh, uh, I don't know why. But I feel like I was never really tied to The Matrix. Like, I never really enjoyed it for some reason. But these people that I'm in the booth with having pizza, they're talking about how good The Matrix is. Like, oh, it's the best ever. Like, you've never seen it, and you know? And, like, I do agree. Like, the things that are done in The Matrix, seeing that for the first time and being that that was the film that came out and like if you were involved watching it you know like yeah I could totally see how that would be so we're gonna have a Matrix movie night and I'm going to see if I'm going to be able to attach myself to the Matrix and watch it and really enjoy it or disagree because right now I feel kind of up in the air, like, am I a Matrix guy or not? So when we have that night, I'm looking forward to watching probably two, if not three, of the Matrix movies. Is there four out now? I think there's four. But yeah, you know, it is one of those things that you lose track of of the Matrix. But uh, yeah, there's there's so many interesting movies that that, uh, dip into the sci-fi elements of things like... Um, I've never seen Looper with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and uh, Bruce Willis. That one looked really good. Knowing with uh, with Nicolas Cage, I watched that with my wife, and it's it is horrendous. The end is so bad. It's so bad. It's one of those movies that it's like it's going really good, and you're really invested, and you're just like sort of into the character that is. Nick Cage's character and you think he's a really smart guy the whole movie and then just shit hits the fan it all goes to shit and the movie doesn't end well like it's not a good ending at all and I just feel like somewhere Nicolas Cage is laughing at me every time I watch that movie so I don't watch it anymore but seeing it on this list it it made me sort of think about it Underwater with Kristen Stewart. That that one was interesting. We watched that here at home. 
I thought she did a good job in it. And I mean, the characters that are in this, that are deep underwater with them, that are chasing after them and stuff, it's, it's a little out there. And, you know, I struggle with a little out there sometimes. That's what I mean with like AI in the creator feeling so close to home is like, I feel as though the creator was something that isn't going to happen. Hopefully, like knock on wood. But something that could happen, like I think of chat RPG or whatever it is, chat GPG or GPT or it's got to be one of those, right? Like that's, you know, it's, it's, it's started. And of course we as humans are way ahead of it and already have a movie out about the war that's going to occur. But hey, I like that stuff because hey, I'm a moviegoer. And so are y'all if you're listening to this podcast. That's for damn sure. Land of the Lost. Sci-fi comedy. Hot Tub Time Machine. Hell yes, Hot Tub Time Machine. Flubber. Ever seen Flubber with Robin Williams? It's a hell of a movie. Hell of a movie. You know? I used to spray water on the bottoms of my shoes and pretend that it was like the flubber juice to make myself jump really high. And then I would go on the trampoline and pretend like it was just flubber helping me out. 65. Yeah, go see 65. Really good sci-fi movie. Don't listen to my podcast about 65 before you go though because there'll definitely be spoilers I just want you to have as good of experience as I did watching 65 so go see it we started Megan the other night Megan is Megan is wild watch the trailer for Megan when you get a chance it's a little like at times I laugh because Megan is a small AI girl that's sort of, des- it's like a doll that's designed to sort of play with the, the child and learn the child's patterns and sort of become its best friend, become the child's best friend. And this robot starts going, you know, this AI robot starts going a little berserk and doing weird things and Chucky-like things, you know, where he, she, she'll look at the, at the person after they've looked away, things like that. And some of the things took away from it, like when she's chasing people on all fours, like running like a dog or a bear, that for me took me out of it a bit. But uh, as far as like a sci-fi Blumhouse horror goes, it wasn't too, too bad. I mentioned Tenet because I mentioned John David Washington, and that is one, now that I've seen The Creator, that's probably one of my first movies that I've actually watched John David Washington in. Um, which obviously he's been out for a while. Like he's done some stuff and he's well known at this point, but Tenet is one that I still haven't given a shot. I just felt like it was an odd time with Christopher Nolan and, uh, and his studio. Um, I believe it was with Universal at the time. Actually, that might be his last Warner Brothers movie, Tenet. I'm not entirely sure, but uh, I didn't like the sort of, PR around it and it was coming out of COVID and stuff too so for me it was like eh, 
Like I'm just not into it. But now I want to give it a shot. I'm kind of on a sci-fi kick if you didn't already notice. Oblivion needs to be mentioned because I saw it in theaters and it was freaking long. Like it, I felt like we were in the theater for like six hours and it wasn't. It wasn't that long. It was like two hours and four minutes. But it felt so long for some reason. But that's a perfect example of a movie that sort of took me in a futuristic world and did a decent job of it. I enjoyed watching Tom Cruise fly around and meeting sort of a futuristic Morgan Freeman. I enjoy that shit. And you can't have a sci-fi episode without mentioning things like Star Wars, like Rogue One. And, you know, Star Wars, I, I, like Star Wars is always going to be a separate episode for me because there's just so much to talk about with Star Wars. But I have to mention Rogue One on this episode because, like I said, the creator, the director of the creator, he directed Rogue One. And Greg Fraser being involved with Rogue One was phenomenal. There are so many good Darth Vader shots in that. The red, I mean, you guys know the fight scene with the with Darth Vader at the end of Rogue One. It's some of the best Star Wars content you can get. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this one. I've enjoyed this podcast talking about science fiction, a little sci-fi dip into the well. And I enjoyed my experience going to the theater. Cineplex puts on a good experience now. They do. They have good, good everything. Popcorn was good. Pop was good. Didn't have a problem getting in or out of the theater. We showed up like right on time too. Like the movie was starting. But at the same time, it was like not very full in there. Like I think Paw Patrol 2 did better than the creator at the box office. And, uh, you know, it's hard to compete with the kids. Our theater was not very, very packed. And that's kind of a dud in itself. That's, that sucks. You know, we went on opening night and uh, it wasn't full in there. You know, I could see that movie really, really doing well with a full theater at like, at an event, you know, where you know what you're up against, you know what you're coming to see. Yeah, it had some wow moments. There was so many explosions. I love explosions. I forgot how much I love explosions in theater. And I haven't even seen Oppenheimer yet. I got to get on that. Because, you know, I was walking in and there's, there's this giant sign of Oppenheimer outside of the Cineplex and Austin goes, you have to see it in theaters. You just have to. And I thought, yeah, like there's no other way. There's no way around it. I have to see it in theaters, especially after seeing the creator. So I hope you've enjoyed this little episode on uh, science fiction. It's been nice talking to you guys. It's been nice uh, being in the alternate state that is science fiction and I hope to continue watching great science fiction movies like I said I am super stoked to watch The Matrix again in a marathon or in a feature a double feature or whatever the case may be I'm excited to move forward and re-watch the creator when it comes out on digital like I'm curious if the experience 
was only in theaters, you know, like I'll rewatch it one more time at home to see if it really does sort of do, do the movie justice to see it in theaters or not, because it had some really cool moments, but it was loud, like, like in the right ways it was loud. And like I said, that soundtrack, that song from Radiohead, I'm going to put it in this episode. Um, that song from Radiohead, it was, it was loud and it was perfect for, you know, flying around in the helicopters and flying around on the different, like it just, I don't know. I enjoyed the experience in theaters and, uh, yeah, I feel like the digital, the digital won't do it justice, but I would watch it one more time. And that's that in itself is kind of a tip of the cap to the film that I would go back and watch it again. Cause I'm usually a little too picky with things like that. So anyways, I'm rambling on. I'll be rambling for the next however many minutes, but you guys don't have to listen to that because I'm going to press the stop button. I've been Comic Book Movie Guy. This has been a really fun chat, and we'll see you guys on the next one.